0: Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 343 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Monday evening, September 20th, 2021. We are here to do an emergency episode because Duke almost blew the game against Northwestern. No, we are here to do an emergency episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast because tonight Duke secured its third, I repeat, Duke secured its third top 10 recruit in the class of 2022 for men's basketball. That's Derek Lively II. I am Sam Klein. I am your host for this episode. I'm coming to you from Boston. My partners in crime are coming to you from different places. Jason Evans, you were not here for the last show. I will start with you.
1: Yeah, sorry. I missed it, guys. Great job, by the way. I'm so glad that y'all were able to talk about uh, Caleb Foster, um, a very important recruit. I'm usually the guy who talks about recruits, so you guys carry the mantle without me. By the way, I'm in Sedona, Arizona. I'm not in Atlanta, Georgia right now. Um, my wife and I took a little vacation, a little break, and we're in Sedona. It is – this is amazing. This place is beautiful. It's really, really beautiful.
0: Amazing. Donald Wine is also here. Donald, where are you? <laughs> I'm in a state
2: of bliss because we got Derek Lively. Uh, no, I'm, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I am at a bar right now, running stuff for uh, a U.S. soccer event that we are doing before the women's national team game. But come on now, Derek Lively is going to Duke, and I am so ecstatic because all the haters—I hope they had their fun last year. I hope they were, and I hope they enjoyed it because that fun is over. We're back. We're loaded. We're ready to go. Let's get in. Hey it. Sam,
1: can I can I ask a favor? Can we can we do this podcast in two parts? Part one. We got to talk about Derek Lively, of course. But then part two, can we talk about John Shire, this class? And, and I mean, I think it's kind of amazing.
0: Jason, you have read my mind. So we will do exactly that. As we mentioned, Derek Lively the second; he is Duke's fourth recruit in the class of 2022. That's nothing to sneeze at. Duke's third top 10 recruit and the highest rated prospect in the class, at least according to 247 Sports uh, in the composite rating, he is the number two overall player. He is a seven foot one center, and he comes to Duke from Norristown, Pennsylvania. He also comes with an offer list that anybody would be jealous of. Duke was after him, but a lot of the scuttlebutt recently was that Kentucky was after him. North Carolina had had given him an offer, so Derek Lively basically had his pick of colleges, and he picked John Shire and he picked the Blue Devils, and he picked to be alongside. Uh, a, a class that is really shaping up to be incredible, not just uh, because it's John Shires first, but because it is it is that good nationally. It very well could end up being the number one class in the country. So, Jason, I'll, I'll let you go first and tell me a bit about Derek Lively and what he means uh, a, as a player himself to the Duke program.
1: So there, there are numbers. I'm going to give you some numbers, folks. The first number five, the number five represents the number Of block shots per game, five block shots per game that Derek Lively averaged at the Peach Jam at the big, big major AAU tournament this uh, this spring and summer. Uh, that is a stunning figure. And and that's what that's the stupid number, Jason.
2: That's it. That's like that's not something like if you played NBA 2K, you wouldn't average five blocks a game in NBA 2K. That's a stupid, ridiculous stat.
1: And and it is because. Of two other numbers, Sam mentioned seven one. The other number is seven eight. Derek Lively has a seven foot eight inch wingspan. Oh my God! This guy's a rim protector. Look, we we currently have Mark Williams, who is a great rim protector. Derek Lively may be on another level from Mark Williams. Derek Lively, it's entirely possible, is going to be the best rim protector in Duke history. He, like I said five block shots per game um, at the AAU level uh, playing against truly elite talent. The, the, the guy is, uh, he's absolutely in control of the paint. And the really interesting thing about him is this, you would think on a guy like that, that he would never venture outside of the paint. But, but the funny thing is so on defense, obviously, Lively just sticks close to the basket and you know, forget about it. You're not getting a shot over him. But on offense, he actually, he doesn't have really strong post moves. He's not, he's not really, he's big in terms of being tall. He's not big in terms of being thick and physically strong. Um, and so he doesn't try to score too much in the post. He's going to get lobs. It's going to be lob central. I mean, you toss the ball up, he he throws it down. But the place where he's actually really good on offense, ready for it? He goes outside. Dude can hit three pointers in, uh, I think it was the semifinal, the quarterfinals or the semifinals. Of the of the Peach Jam, he led off by hitting like four three pointers, four for four three pointers in the first quarter of their game of the of the game that his team was playing in. And, and as a result, you know, they were running away with it very early. This is a guy who has a nice three-point shot. Not going to be a guy you dump it into in the post, but a really nice three-point shot, great shot blocker, good rebounder. And the last thing before I toss it back to you guys, he's so quick. His foot speed is really truly elite. For a guy his size, he is capable of guarding guards. I want to say that again. Duke has a guy with a, who's seven one, with a seven eight wingspan, who if he gets switched on a pick and roll, he can guard a guard. That's how good he is defensively. He's going to be one of the he's going to be one of the great defensive players, I think, in Duke history, and that's really saying something. I'm not sure Duke has had maybe since Sheldon Williams, maybe ever, a guy who's going to be able to control the paint, and be this kind of a defensive presence. It's really exciting.
0: Jason, I'm glad you brought up his offense on the heels of his defense because uh, I was reading, I was watching video on Lively, but then I was reading the scouting summary on 247, and he is compared uh, by uh, one of the uh, recruiting analysts over there favorably to Tyson Chandler as more as sort of similar on the defensive end to Tyson Chandler and more of an offensive threat. So we are looking at offensively gifted Tyson Chandler as a comparison for Derek Lively. That is a guy that I want on my team. Donald, I need you to chime in here.
2: Yeah, yeah I was literally going to mention that very same thing. If you, like, he could have stopped that comparison to Tyson Chandler, I would have been like, "No, that's awesome. Let's do it. But Tyson Chandler with more offense. And here's the thing, Jason, you mentioned about the fact that he can guard guards. The thing that I've seen a lot in his videos is that he can literally be one defensive step Away if he's under the basket and he takes one defensive shuffle step, he's at the three-point line. Like that's very rare that someone can do that. And to do it quickly is the key here because again, he can cover a lot of real estate very, very quickly, which means that the opposing team, if they're on an offense, they will feel like they have nowhere to go when you have that dude with his arms extended in the paint because they know that they can't out, they can't run around him. He will just take one step and he will close off whatever real estate that they thought they had. So that's what really excites me about him. The fact that he is an offensive juggernaut as well, like is really cool. But the defensive part of things it is even just, it's just one of the great things that we will see is a guy, again, five blocks a game is, is video game numbers, seven, eight wingspan. That's a video game number. That's something that where you create a player and you're like, I'm just going to make him as tall as possible. And with as long a wingspan as possible. And oh yeah, he can do everything. Like that is incredible. So I'm really looking forward to this. And again, this I know we're we'll talking about this in a second, but the fact that John Shire is doing this so early is unprecedented. And I'll explain. I mean, it's it's really what he's doing is nothing short of unprecedented right now. Getting three guys in the top ten, and he hasn't even coached the coach the game yet.
0: The thing that I'm excited about is how lively potentially fits in with the rest of the recruits. There, There is some overlap with Kyle Filipowski um, because I know we want to talk about the, we want to have the more meta conversation that, that Donald just referred to. We'll do that after the break about what this means for sort of John Shire and the program and stuff. But thinking about the rest of the guys on the team, uh, there's an interesting overlap to me between Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski. I don't know how much they'll be able to play like extended minutes together, but typically even even very highly rated big men like this are not able to to average, you know, 30 plus minutes a game. Even even a program like Duke, even, you know, for guys who are as talented as Big men as say Jolly Locafor or whoever, most guys are not able to sustain big minutes. So, I think that on next year's team there is room for both Lively and Filipowski despite the fact that they're both sort of classified as centers.
1: Filipowski's going to be a stretch for it, too. And I, well, that's I, what I was going to say is he, that he came to Duke expecting that that be his role. Good.
0: And and so they'll you know to the extent that they that that they're able to play together, I think there will be plenty of minutes for that because they'll both be somewhat limited by being freshmen anyway. And then my guess is that Derek Lively is probably one and done regardless. So like if Filipowski is sticking around, and we've talked about that, we talked about that uh, with 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 one of his coaches, and and we've talked about sort of the coverage of Filipowski and how he he may be projecting to stick around. If he only averages 15 minutes a game in his, in his freshman season, fine, because in his second year, Derek Lively won't be there anymore, and, and it'll, it'll go even higher than that. Right, Jason?
1: Yeah, Well, so first of all, I think Kyle Filipowski is going to average more than 15 minutes per game in his freshman season. I, th- I think that he and Derek Lively can be on the floor uh, very easily together, and um, Filipowski I see as a, a stronger offensive player, and Lively, of course, is the much stronger defensive player. And I just wanted to mention briefly, you know, Donald was talking, we were talking a little bit about how this class fits together. Um, the guy I'm excited about fitting with Derek Lively is Tariq Whitehead. Whitehead is known as a truly elite defender. Um, you're talking about, and, and you know, I have to be careful. Obviously, I get into hyperbole. When it comes to Duke players, I get excited. I, I, I put all kinds of lofty expectations on them. But I want to be very clear. Virtually everyone says that Derek Lively is unquestionably the best post defender, best rim protector in the class. Pretty much people all say that Derek Whitehead is the best wing defender in the class. So Duke is going to have the best wing defender and the best post defender playing together. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Duke teams have struggled with the pick and roll in recent years, in the one-and-done era. We have had big men, especially, who have struggled a lot in the pick and roll. I, you know, I don't even need to name all of them, but Vernon Carey, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Marvin Bagley. There, there have been a lot of them who, you know, they, Duke had to play zone because we had guys who couldn't handle the pick and roll. Ain't going to be the case with, Der, uh, with Derek Lively. Ain't going to be the case with Derek Whitehead. We're going to have guys who really know how to play the right kind of defense, and, and that's just super exciting. It's it's a special bunch that Shire is already putting together, and he's not even done yet. He's not even done.
2: And really, when you think about that, Jason, even if we do switch the zone, you have a guy that has a seven eight wingspan. You have Cal Filipowski, who you know is like a Kevin Garnett, where he's he should probably listed like seven three, but he's going to be listed like seven foot. And you have these guys who literally, if they extend their arms, they're covering an entire paint. And it's, they're like, what do you do when that? You're not going to be able to pass through it. So they're going to have to try and. To attack him, and that's where you're, if you're attacking Derek Lively, he's gonna you're gonna lose. Derek Lively is gonna block your shot, and he's gonna send it down to the other end of the floor.
1: And Don, you make a great point about passing around Derek Lively because one of the things that people who've watched him a lot really note is that he's incredibly active. He's a guy who has boundless energy on defense. He gets a lot of deflections. He gets a lot of steals. When you try to pass around him. He's apt to get those seven foot eight arms out there in a way that makes it so that your pass does not go where it's intended to go.
0: All right. So as promised, we are going to take a quick break. When we get back, we are going to talk about what this means, uh, not just for sort of the action on the court, but for the program as a whole and for John Shire's uh, apparent ascendance as an elite recruiter, even before he's formally taken on the role of head coach. Stick around. As I mentioned before the break, we need to have a bit of a meta conversation about John Shire. And Donald, I'm going to let you kick this off for us. John Shire has now secured three top 10 commitments in his first class. He's got a fourth commitment in Jaden Shute, who we talked about recently, is rocketing up the recruiting rankings. And he has a couple other offers out to five-star players that are still outstanding. He's achieved all of this before Halloween, of the year before he takes over as the head coach,
1: Sam. Sam, what? it's not even October yet. He's a. Yeah, he barely. I was did, just.
0: He almost did this before Labor Day. Labor Day. I, I was picking. I was, I was just Labor picking. Day. What's? The, I was just picking the next. <laughs> the next uh, holiday. I mean, he, he's he's had a big haul since Labor Day. Donald, what do you make of this?
2: Like I said, it's unprecedented. I mean, I think Seth Davis on Twitter was like, "Name one coach who did this in his first year," and John Shire is not even in his first year yet. Like that is. A He's really big accomplishment.
1: he hasn't yeah. had his first day on the
2: he hasn't had his first day he has like he has they haven't they haven't rookie hazed him as a coach yet like all the ACC coaches haven't got together and made him get the coffee at the at the media day like he hasn't gotten to that point yet and already people are literally sitting there going oh crap like what do we get ourselves into remember when everybody was real scared about what he could do and we said hey the recruiting trail we're gonna be okay it's very clear from from the get go we're gonna be okay and oh yeah. He's already secured a top 10 recruit in next year's class, in, in the, in the t- class of 2023, and that just happened a week ago. So he's doing it all, and his coaching staff is on point. I mean, again, you have, you have Nolan Smith stepping in as an assistant coach, and he's pulling recruits. Like, this machine that we have built is not stopping anytime soon, so that's what dude fans should be super excited about. Now, of course, there's questions of, you know, you get all the talent, but can you coach them? We'll find that out in year one. But the thing is, we get to find that out in year one because he has the talent coming in. That is a major, major accomplishment for such a young coach.
1: He hasn't. Let's be clear about something. There is not a single player that John Shire said, I really want that guy. And he didn't get him. That's not true of all the other coaches out there. John Calipari, who was supposed to be taking over as the new number one recruiting guy out there because Coach K was retiring. Calipari had it for a little while. Then Coach K became the man, and everyone's like, "Oh, K's retiring. Calipari's going to take it back." Calipari wanted Derek Lively, but you know something? About about a month ago, I think Calipari started to suspect that John Shire was going to be was going to win this battle because Calipari offered a guy named Adam Bona, who's like a top fifteen center. He's a look. Adam Bona's a great recruit, but you can't have Adam Bona and Derek Lively on the same team. And when Calipari offered Adam Bona on August 20th, I said to people who would listen to me, I was like, Duke's getting Derek Lively. I, you know, this is amazing.
2: So there's two things about Derek Lively. One, he is the very first guy to get a, recruit, a scholarship offer from John Shire after he was named the head coach. The other thing is that when you're the number one guy and you, you have that feeling of, hey, you're the guy I want, right? That's an incredible feeling to be the first person offered by a coach. And John Shire has really, all these things that he's done, he's been very meticulous about going after guys that he knows will shape his class and kind of shape the style of basketball that we think he's going to play. Jaden Shute, he was one of the first guys in on Jaden Shoot, And Jaden Shoot may finish in the top 20 before this year is done. That's how fast he's rocketing up. So this class, as great as it is right now, could be even better and again when it comes to other teams like you know uconn and or i'm sorry kentucky and unc and all this but they probably thought we were going to have a drop off for a couple of years a drop off ain't happening and so all of them have got to be just scared to their boots because if they can't out recruit a player who has not coached the day yet then what are they going to do when he actually gets his feet wet into the coaching part of things
1: yeah and look let's be clear we don't know how John Shire is going to do when he's actually coaching his own team, when he's deriving strategies, when he's developing players and things like that. But it speaks volumes that these kids who could go anywhere they want are choosing to go with with this guy who has never coached a single game in his life. Uh, I I would imagine, I I don't know, but I would imagine that John Shire has to not just sell these guys on Duke and himself, but – Sell, sell himself in terms of how he can develop players and the strategy he's going to have and how he's going to build the program. That's, that's a leap that all these other coaches don't have to make when they, are, when they are selling these recruits. And to me, the significant thing is the fact that all these guys are, are believing what John Shire is selling. And that says to me, it must be really, really compelling. And by the way, I want to point out, Shire's not done. We have a four-man class so far that if we get no one else, we'll probably be the number one class in the land and would set Shire up to have a clearly a top five or so team next year. That's if we don't add a single other player. But he still is very high. There are a couple guys he's still really, really high on, and it looks like he's going to get both of them, Mark Mitchell and J.J. Starling. If he does, does this class rival you know some of the greats in Duke history? I'm not going to get into naming all of them, but it, it starts to be up there with some of the great classes all time in college basketball recruiting, again, by a guy who hasn't even coached a game yet. One
2: final thing about Derek Lively and something that we've seen with all these recruits that have committed thus far in, under John Shire. They come into Durham, they make a visit, and then they stop everything else. Derek Lively apparently cut off all his visits that he was going to do. He stopped talking to all coaches. As soon as he got back from Durham about a week and a half ago, and that was it. At that point, a lot of people started making sure they were like, hey, this is exactly what happened with Whitehead, with Jaden Schutt, and with everyone else that he had, and Cale Foster, all these guys. So once Derek Lively said, I'm not taking any other visits, and I'm going to make my decision, he was expecting to make his decision in like early November. The fact that he said, I'm making my decision next week, everyone knew it was going to be good, because it's just like again, as I mentioned last episode, it's like NFL free agency. We're getting them in the door and we're not letting them go without a commitment. And these guys are actually committing to the point where they are cutting off everything else that they were doing beforehand or afterwards because they already knew that they were going to make their choice and they're coming to Durham.
0: And and you can look at the, at how much like turnover there's been at the Duke program and you could think like, oh, it, it's, it's you know, guys are not, guys are transferring, guys are, are leaving early. You know, they're, There's sort of the the momentum is slowing down. Like if you wanted to be a hater, you could look at it like that. No chance. I mean, this is is as strong as Duke has been in recruiting possibly ever, um, even with the transition from Coach K to John Shire going on. And it's very exciting that uh, we – I think we were skeptical um, about – I don't know about skeptical, but we were talking about like what does it mean that that Duke is promoting an assistant – uh, as opposed to going out and doing a coaching shirt and and getting somebody who's who's somewhere else. And what does it mean to have that assistant sort of be the coach and waiting for one year on the bench? So far, it seems like it's working perfectly well. And and Shire is doing exactly what a coach of next year's team would be doing, which is which is locking up all these great players. Jason, I want to give you a final word on this, and then we're going to get out of here.
1: Yeah, so really quick, I just want to talk about the fit of these guys that we've brought in so far. With, with what we expect to have on the roster next year, as well as the new guys who are coming in. I, I, we've mentioned this before. I think it seems pretty likely, impossible to say until the season plays out, I think it seems pretty likely that um, that Jeremy Roach, um, perhaps Trevor Keels, um, and probably Wendell Moore will all be back next year. Three guys who are primarily, almost exclusively perimeter players. So the guys that Duke has recruited for next season um, yes, Jaden Jaden Shoot is a perimeter guy. He's a shooting guard, but I, I don't think most folks would expect him to come in and start right away at a place like Duke. He'll be a nice instant offense off the bench, outside shooting off the bench. The other guys, Derek Whitehead, is a wing, um, you know, kind of player. Uh, Derek Lively is a center. Kyle Filipowski is a center power forward. You can see how the fit of all these players just just works so nicely for what Duke is going to have bring back next season and what they need. And, and Shire has gone out and gotten the top player, the player he wanted at each and every one of these positions. And, and, and like I said, there's still a couple other guys still talking about bringing in Mark Mitchell, who is another wing forward kind of player, sort of like Dariq Whitehead, a little bit bigger than Whitehead. Um, so maybe Mitchell is a guy who, who slips down a little bit more into a forward as opposed to a, a pure wing. And then the other guy that Duke's really after is J.J. Starling, Um, who if there is anyone in the class who's a better shooter than Jaden shoot, it's JJ Starling. They're considered the top two shooters in the class. And Starling is a combo guard kind of guy, but again, another player who you wouldn't expect necessarily to come in and start from day one. Um, It just, all of it. I'm just marveling that Shire is getting his first choice and that he's making it all fit together so beautifully. I mean, look, we're all excited about this coming season, coach K's final season. But how can you not also be really excited about what's going to be the first season of the Shire era? It is shaping up to be really special already.
2: The future is bright. The present is bright. There's no reason to not be excited about everything that is Duke Blue Devils basketball right now. It's just, it's just astounding to kind of sit there and watch and be able to marvel at all of this it really is the rich
1: the rich get richer it's good to be duke the rich get richer is what you got Paolo money palo <laughs> tweeted that and then deleted the tweet obviously palo knew what was coming from Derek lively and he tweeted the rich get richer uh, and then he had to delete that tweet and everyone went wait a second we know what he's talking about that was the clue that lively was coming to duke That that's what our situation is it's it's pretty remarkable
0: so we will get out of here on that we are obviously ecstatic We are not going to spend time on the football game, which was a roller coaster of emotions. We might get to cover that later this week, but for now, for Jason Evans out in Arizona, for Donald Wine, who is in the depths of his own emotions at the bar, I am Sam Klein. Derek Lively is a Blue Devil, and so are you. We will be back sometime very soon to talk all about all these things again because it feels like every week there's a a big new commitment for Duke basketball for those guys, for me. I'm Sam Klein. This has been episode 343 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke Band, take us home.